21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. I think I understand your audience. These are entrepreneurs, people who want to do something in the world. And if they're anything like me, which I'm sure they are, they've experienced incredible frustration and incredible euphoria when something goes right. But what they want to do is increase the things that go right and decrease the things that cause frustration. And to do that, you have to get great ideas to come to you, usable ideas, workable ideas. And you have to learn to do that on a pretty consistent basis. So what if I told you that you're speaking a very special language right now that when you speak it, the world obeys your commands. And this language has nothing to do with the words that are falling out of your mouth. It actually has very little to do with the thoughts you're thinking. This is a language that has to do with something much more primitive and much more reliable. You can lie with your words. I do it, you do it, we all do it. And you can think thoughts that are so scattered that you can't even keep them straight. But this language is always true. And you can't fake it. And you can't fool the mechanism that is controlling and steering your life. And this mechanism is listening to that language and anything you say in that language, it will make true in your physical world. Do you want to know what that language is? Yeah, can you explain? this mechanism and how understanding it can be transformative let's say that way to explain it i have to go back to a time in my life when i was extremely frustrated i was a concrete contractor the kind of guy that if you pulled up next to me at a stop a stop light and uh, looked over and saw me, you wouldn't want to talk to me. You wouldn't want to engage with me. I was the guy in an old pickup truck with a wheelbarrow in the back and a bucket of tools with a surly cross look on my face. And that look was there because of the frustration that I was feeling trying to make it in the world, trying to make enough money to get by. And also juggle being a young father and trying to have free time, which I had none of, by the way, that was part of the real frustration. And I made enough money to get by as long as not very many things went wrong. But things did go wrong. 
And so I was drowning in this financial river of, uh, you know, just responsibilities, payments due, and not quite enough money to cover them all and have much left over. And to make matters worse, at the same time, my wife announced that she was not very happy. I wasn't spending any time with her. I wasn't spending any time with our son. I, we never did anything fun, never took him on vacation. I was just working. Holidays, except for maybe three of them, meant nothing to me. I worked Saturdays, holidays. I, I had to, I felt. And I thought she appreciated that I was covering the bills. And she did. But this was a revelation that that wasn't enough. I needed to do more. So here I am in this stage of my life, and I come across a couple, I was working for them in their backyard. They're obviously incredibly wealthy, and they were elegant people. It was like they were everything I wanted to be, but saw no way that I could ever be that. And because they were different, they came and talked to us. And one morning, the lady of the house, she's this beautiful, elegant woman with silver hair. I thought of her as an old woman, but she is probably younger then than I am now. And she was she seemed to be genuinely interested in my life but here's the problem because of what i was feeling inside i let that conversation devolve into complaining and right in the middle of my complaining she just turned around and walked away like she wasn't interested in participating in that kind of talk and i was so embarrassed but a few minutes later, she came back with a stack of papers that I now call a manuscript. I didn't know what to call it then, but she handed that to me. It's about an inch thick, just eight and a half by 11 papers. And she said, read this tonight and bring it back to me tomorrow. Well, I wasn't going to read it because I didn't have time to read it. She had no comprehension of my life. I got up at 5.15 to 5.30 every single morning, was out the door by 6.15 at least, and at 5 o'clock that afternoon when my crew went home, I didn't. That's when I went out selling new jobs, collecting money, picking up things we'd need tomorrow. I never got home until 7.30 or 8.30 at night. And I would wolf down some food, take a shower, and fall into bed so I could do it all over again the next day. That was my life. But I took the manuscript out of really just respect for her. I took the manuscript into the house and put it on the nightstand. And before I fell asleep, I read the first page. This manuscript told the story of the wealthiest man to ever walk the earth, Sultan Musa of Mali. To put it in perspective, you know names like, oh, who's, who are the rich guys? Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, right? 
Sultan Musa of Mali was wealthier than both of those two put together. And this was clear back in the 1300s in Africa. So I'm reading this and that caught my attention, but right off the bat, he starts talking about something called the language of the gods. And he says, like I told you, anyone who speaks this language, the world will obey his or her commands. What? So I'm thinking, yeah, he's going to talk all around it, but he's not going to tell me in this manuscript how to speak it. And in the very next paragraph, he starts telling me how to speak it. And I instantly knew it was true, as you will. The second I heard it, I thought, holy crap, this is how life works. This is how it works. And I knew I held in my hands a formula for seizing control of my life and my future. But I was so excited that I actually became fearful to try it because I thought, man, if I lose this hope by trying it and it doesn't work, I'm going to go do something to myself. I mean, this it would be too much, but it did work. Now, I'm going to tell you a little story because you need to understand this. Sultan Musa of Mali had a near-death experience at the age of 12 where an older thief tried to murder him rather than share the loot from a heist that Musa helped participate in. So during this attempt on his life, he had this what we call an out-of-body experience where he encountered a man made of light and love his words and this being taught him how the world works how humans are constructed how we work why one person is poor and another person is wealthy why one person has tons of confidence and another person who went through the exact same childhood or experiences might have no confidence whatsoever. So when he came back from this experience, and by the way, he was dirt poor. He was a petty thief. He had to steal food just to survive. After this experience, he used the principles the man made of light and love taught him to lift himself out of poverty. But that's not all. He lifted the entire Mali kingdom, which uh, at the time, it was still a big kingdom, but he expanded it like crazy once he became sultan. But he became independently wildly wealthy long before he became sultan. He, in fact, became sultan because of his wealth and the fact he was so generous and everybody loved him and was they were willing to obey him. They loved him. Okay, well, back to this part of the story I wanted to tell you. You'll find this very interesting. He wanted, he was very benevolent. He fell in love with the man made of light. He just wanted to serve him, uh, you know, have him part of his life. And so one of the things he wanted to do was share 
what he learned with as many people as he could so they could do what he did, basically transform their lives, live their best lives, create anything they wanted to create with the time they had here. Okay, but here's a problem. In the 1300s, and maybe even today, for all I know, you don't just come out and say, hey, I died yesterday, but then I came back to life. And by the way, I met God who taught me things that are learned scholars know nothing about. Back then, for sure, that's a quick way to get yourself killed. So he embedded the principles of this, of what he learned into a fairy tale so that to preserve his life so that he could, if he got called out or if someone got mad, he could just say, hey, I'm a teacher and I'm just using this story to you know, push what I believe is true, what I think is a, a good strategy for life. Okay, so that he embedded the secrets in this tale. Now, I don't know about you. I've written some things. I even wrote this book. I don't for one minute think that 600, 700 years from now, everybody on planet Earth is going to be familiar with my book. But that's what happened to his fairy tale. And by the way, he wrote extensive. This fairy tale was just a metaphor for his own life. But then he wrote a, at least one separate, separate parchment that interpreted the fairy tale to every detail and also gave uh, a, doc, a tutorial, let's call it, on how to speak this language of the gods, which I'm going to give to you in a minute. This fairy tale is Aladdin and the Magic Lamp. Now, I've always thought, when I heard that story, I always thought, oh, there's a deeper meaning to that, but I could never put my finger on it. I could never figure out what that was. And Antoine Gallant, the guy in the 1600s who published this story, he was honest about the fact that he didn't write it. He just got it from an ancient Arabic text written by Sultan Musa of Mali. And by the way, he did not publish the second manuscript, the uh, tutorial, the description of what each of the elements in the story represent. He didn't publish any of that. He was terrified of that second document because, you know, it talked about God and uh coming back to life and near-death experiences and all this stuff that, you know, in the 1600s, people were still being put to death for the crime of heresy. You couldn't go against the religious teachings of the time. You'd be in a lot of trouble. And he, for sure, he had a great career. So Antoine didn't want to lose his contacts in government or in the colleges, the universities. So he kept quiet, but I know he read it because he went on from there to create an unbelievably successful life. He had a wonderful life.
Okay, so back to the elements in this story. I'm going to tell you what each one of them represents. You have Aladdin, the main character. Now, Aladdin represents you, uh, the conscious mind, that part of you that you think of as you, the part that cares about how your life is going. Then you have this all-powerful genie who can get you anything you want. Now, this all-power, oh, by the way, only if you know how to summon it. Now, this all-powerful genie represents the mechanism that controls your life. Musa called it the veiled mind. So you have the conscious mind, and then you have this other mind operating at the same time. And it's the mind that absolutely steers your life in the direction that it believes you're supposed to go. And whatever it believes to be true about you, it's going to make true in your physical reality. And you can take that to the bank well, now you have the best part of the story. This is the magic lamp, right? We all wish we had one. If this sounds cheesy, I don't care. After you listen to me, you're going to have one. The magic lamp represents a piece of knowledge, some understanding about how you work. There is constant communication taking place between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind, or what he called the veiled mind. I'm going to use those two terms interchangeably. But like I said, it's not the language of, you know, an audible voice like you're hearing from me. It's not even the language of thoughts. Your subconscious mind knows all about your words and thoughts. It just does not obey them. It is not programmed by those. And it's just a mechanism that can be programmed, has been programmed. Your subconscious mind hears, responds to, is programmed by, and obeys. I'm going to come back to this word. It obeys one language and one language only. And that is the language of feelings. Feelings is the language of the gods. And don't gloss over this like, oh, okay, yeah. No, listen to me. Anything you're feeling, your subconscious mind will believe. It believes all of your feelings, all the time, every time. And it will then make what it believes to be true, actually true, in your physical reality. I just gave you a formula that is worth a million dollars. I've used it to create way more than that. I went from $60,000 a year as a concrete guy to making three times that much every single month in a new business that just came to me from that magical place out there somewhere where all of your dreams, everything you want lives out there. The perfect sweetheart or the answer to your current relationship it already exists out there. 
that new business idea that will turn into $10 million over two years, that's already out there. That idea exists out there somewhere. The answer to your health problems, the answer, the, the knowledge you need to get really ripped and lean and fit and energetic and happy, it's all out there. And your subconscious mind knows all about it. It already knows all about it. It's connected to all wisdom, all knowledge. It's literally connected to God. And our subconscious minds are connected. But it will not share that information with you unless it believes that it's congruent with the role you're playing. And that's all you're doing. You're playing a role. But it's important. You're dedicated to this role. You get into character and you stay there. Like a good actor on TV, you stay in character and you accept anything that comes at you from that point of view and you respond the way that character would. And it's important that your life is congruent. Otherwise, it'd just be you wouldn't learn anything. Your subconscious mind cares deeply about congruency. And don't give me, this is not a passionate entity that loves you. It's a mechanism that can be programmed and has been. And whatever it's programmed for, that's how your life is going to be, period. That's it. But I just told you how to reprogram it. It believes your feelings and anything you say in the language of feelings, it instantly believes. It doesn't doubt your feelings. They're always true. You know, you can lie and tell somebody, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm doing great. But inside, you're about ready to bust into tears. You know, things aren't going so well. Your subconscious mind isn't hearing, I'm fine. No, everything is great. No, it's hearing the truth. It's hearing your feelings. It believes them. And then it will keep your life congruent with them. It will set the stage of your life in a way that's congruent with your predominant feelings about any aspect of life. Wait, how does it do that? By feeding you your very thoughts and feelings, impulses, promptings, attitudes, moods. And you act on these ideas, uh, images that flash into your head combined with the feeling about how urgent that is or not urgent at all. And you act on this and this is how it steers and controls your life. And where is it steering it? In a direction that is congruent with what it believes. And I just told you how to tell it what to believe. So let me ask you a question. How are you feeling right now? about your business, your ability to go out and generate something that creates wealth? How are you feeling about your main relationship or your level of fitness and health and energy and happiness and vibrancy for life? How do you honestly feel when you think about those aspects of life or any aspect of life? Whatever you're feeling, that's exactly what your subconscious mind believes to be true for you, for the role you're playing. It feeds you those roles. When you think of any aspect of life, it'll feed you the answer. This is how that is for you.
Now, here's something that's going to be counterintuitive to everything you've been taught. So bear with me. Right now, like most people, you probably think, well, now, Jeff, I feel the way I do about my finances because, the, you know, this is the reality of my finances. What if I were to tell you that it's the exact other way around? What if I were to tell you that your finances are what they are, your relationship is what it is, your fitness level is what it is, because of how you feel on a deep, core, subconscious level about that aspect of life? Now, if you're honest, you might think back to when you were 14 or 15 or 18. You felt a certain way about romance and uh, relationships, and you had this deep feeling of what that might be, what it could turn into, positive or negative. You might really believe that two people can get together and have this wonderful, harmonious relationship. or. And we'll go into the reasons, you know, how your subconscious uh, beliefs are set like a cog uh, at, in a little bit later time here. But here you have this feeling, and maybe you have the feeling like I did just from growing up, seeing my parents, seeing other people, my uncles and aunts, or that, yeah, what if there's lots of turmoil? What if there's fighting? What if there's betrayal? What if there's all this stuff? Well, that's a subconscious belief. So you can think, oh no, I'm going to have a wonderful relationship. But remember, it's not what your subconscious mind is hearing. It's hearing how you feel about it deep down. And then that's the way it's going to be. And I'll bet you anything, that's the way it is. However you felt about relationships, at around that age where you started thinking about them, you know, like they're important. That's how your relationship probably is. And if you stop and think about it, there are times when you go, gosh, she's such a bummer, but am I doing it? Am I the one who's making her that way? Did I pick someone who would be like that because of some weird, yes, 100%. Change your feelings change your life. Feelings are self-fulfilling prophecies. But Jeff, how the hell am I supposed to do that when my reality is I don't have a good relationship? The business I started isn't taking off. It's not getting off the ground. My finances are starting to look pretty bleak. How am I supposed to feel good? Great question. Here's the answer. Quit looking at reality. That's just going to keep you feeling crappy. Well, then where do I look? Musa talked about your superpower. We all have it. This is your ability to imagine and pretend. You were a pro at doing this when you were a child, a kid. You could get lost in a make-believe world like nobody's business. And what was going on in those hours of play 
had nothing to do with your physical reality. You could be living in a dumpy, crappy rental unit, but in your mind, you were the king of this beautiful castle and you could look out over your kingdom. And that's where your power still is. Because when you're lost in a beautiful daydream that makes you feel great and you just kind of push the real world aside, like maybe you go into an imaginary room and you shut the imaginary door behind you and now the walls of that room come up with the world the way you want it to be. And you just do that for fun, like you played as a kid and you feel the feelings of what would it be like to have tons of money? What would it be like to have a yacht or anything you want? You can experience it right there in your imagination. Okay, now as you do this, you know that that's not real, right? It's just imaginary. But what about the feelings you're generating? Are those real? You better believe it. And guess who's listening? Your subconscious mind. And it believes those feelings. If you do it often enough, it, by the way, every successful person uses this exact same technique to create their success. Everyone who is really good at something and can go make money or have a great relationship, great physique, whatever it is, they see themselves as something special and they do not come out of that vision. No matter what happens, if something bad happens, they ignore it. They just hold that vision. Michael Jordan explained this. He said when he was a kid, he would shoot the ball, pretending that he was in the, the like, you know, NBA national championship game. He would shoot the ball and see it go in and hear the crowd roar. <laughs> Weather the ball actually went in the net or not in real life right there is the answer to how you do it he saw himself as a champion no matter what happened now in the physical realm if he lost a game yeah he'd look ticked he was ticked but that's because it wasn't congruent with this image that he had of himself so what would he do he'd go work harder He'd talk to the other players, in fact, get in their face, tell them what he expected out of them. He did not let go of that vision of himself being the best basketball player in the world. And once he had that vision and held to it, the world obeyed his commands. And here we go right back to the fairy tale. The all-powerful genie only says two things. One is a statement, one's a question, or the other way around. The question is, what is wanted? What do you want? And it's always asking this question. And you're always answering by the way you feel. And then it says the other thing, a statement. Your wish is my command.
So here's the trick. You've got to learn how to flood, I mean bury, your subconscious mind in feelings that match the life you want and quit feeding it feelings that match the life you don't want. How do you do that? By worrying, fretting, what could go wrong? Oh my gosh, what if this doesn't work out? That's how you keep flooding it with those feelings that bring you the results you don't want. Okay, I'm going to leave it there because that's enough for you to start, you know, letting percolate onto your mind. I wrote the book, The Sultan's Seven Secrets, and it contains all seven, not just these first three, all seven of the principles that Musa was taught by the man made of light and love. And my goal is to give that book away, to get it in the hands of as many people as will take me up on it. And you can get that book by going to sultansevensecrets.com and download it. It's the video version of the book. It's me reading the book. Uh, you know, I, I ad lib a little bit, telling the story and add a few things that aren't in the book. But you can get that book for free and you can be speaking the language of the gods tonight and all day tomorrow. And I promise you, you will see the evidence of things changing. What is that evidence going to look like? Strange coincidences that start popping up. Things that if you weren't trained to look for them, you might think, oh, it just, you know, would have happened anyway. But it wasn't happening last week and it wasn't happening a year ago. It's happening now. Why? Because you have consciously, with intent, on purpose and with maturity, changed the way you feel about something by creating a vision of it going well, being perfect and staying there enough to flood your subconscious mind with the feelings associated with that experience. Now, if you say, well, it's not a real experience, stop thinking that way. Your subconscious mind cares not whether it's real or imagined in your mind. All of your experiences are interpreted in your imagination. Trust me on that one. Experience, whether you create it out of whole cloth in your imagination or something happens to you in the quote unquote real world, doesn't matter because the feelings are real, they are true, and your subconscious mind believes them. So you can go create all these experiences that flood your subconscious mind with feelings. And then this goes beyond. I, your subconscious mind consults your past to chart your future. But I'm going to leave it here. Go get the book. Read it. When you download the book, you'll give us your best email address. And from that, we'll send you a couple emails. We're not going to bombard you forever. You can always just cut us off, unsubscribe but we'll send you some notices that tell you what I'm doing next because you're going to need some help. You've been trained, you're habitual. You're going to wake up tomorrow thinking the same thoughts and feeling the same feelings that you thought and felt yesterday. And to change that is going to take some strategies, some games, techniques, tips, hacks, and I'll give them to you. So Martin, thanks again for having me and letting me share this message. I hope it helps. 
21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. Imagine a space where triumphs, trials, and tales of entrepreneurship come alive. Welcome to the 21st Century Entrepreneurship Podcast, a gold awarded journey hosted by Martin Piskorik, connecting with listeners in 95 countries and ranking in the top 0.5% of all podcasts. Join our exclusive community, elevate your perspective, and embark on the path to success.